I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Our Father, as we have just heard these words of Jesus and this call to abide and to abide in His Word, we pray that even this act of hearing teaching and thinking about Your Word would be one where we do this very thing. We abide in Jesus, we draw near and we listen, and we are formed and shaped by the work of your Spirit uh, in this congregation. And so we pray that wherever each of us are this morning, that you would meet us and you would draw us to yourself through Jesus, that we would be transformed by your love and the work of the Spirit in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So, um, the gardening and horticulture imagery of this text, as I was thinking about it uh, this week, I, I couldn't help but think of my grandfather. For as long as I can remember, when my grandfather was alive, he was always involved with some kind of gardening, crops, trees, planting, horticulture, something. Um, when I was a little kid, so like elementary through like middle school, 
He lived about 15 minutes. Uh, my grandparents lived about 15 minutes from where we lived on a, on a decent piece of land. And I remember, you know, going to his house and there would, al- there would always be crops. There was sweet corn and potatoes and the best tomatoes you've ever had in your entire life. And, and there were beautiful flowers and there were fruit trees and there was a greenhouse that was attached to his garage. It wasn't huge, but for like a little kid, it was ginormous. And it was filled with these beautiful flowers and these very exotic looking plants as well. Uh, I remember when I was pretty little, I don't know how little, but probably like, I don't know, kindergarten-ish age, uh, I went to see Little Shop of Horrors with my family, the musical, and for a period of time could not go into the greenhouse out of fear of one of the plants that looked like the plant that eats people if you're familiar with that musical. Um, when I was a bit older, I remember uh, playing outside and getting you know, a bad summer sunburn. And we went to Grandpa's house because Grandpa had an aloe plant. My grandpa always wore overalls and always carried what I called his pocky knife, which was his pocket knife that sat in his overalls. And so we went over on that day and you know, we went to the greenhouse and he cut a leaf off that aloe plant and he cut it open and then with the knife kind of scraped on the inside and started gathering all of this honey-like goo substance and, and did it a number of times until he had extracted all of this, you know, delicious healing ooze and then he applied it to my sunburned body and Immediately there was, you know, the the cooling, healing sensation. What John 15, in essence, is saying to us is that we are meant to be so connected to Jesus that like that aloe leaf was connected to the plant, that the transforming love and life of God, the healing ooze of God's life and love would flow through us in us and out into the world. Again and again, if you were listening to that text, Jesus is saying so many times in this text, abide, abide in me, abide in my word, abide in my love. He's calling us to to remain in him and remain in his love. And so I want us to think about three things this morning as we think about this idea of abiding. First, what does it mean to abide? And then second, what is the purpose or point of abiding, and then the third, finally, what must we do? So first, what does it mean to abide? If you look at the text, verse 1, Jesus uses this metaphor at the beginning of the passage, I am the true vine. And this is not just a convenient way for for Jesus to picture what he's talking about. In these few words, Jesus is making two monumental claims. One, he is claiming to be God in the flesh, and he is claiming to be the very embodiment of everything that Israel was meant to be. This is the the last of the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. And in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, in Exodus 3.14, where God tells Moses his name, he uses this language of ego emi, I am. And when Jesus says this very same thing in John, he is intentionally echoing that divine name from the Old Testament scriptures. He's applying it to himself. He is saying, in essence, I am Yahweh come in the flesh. I am the one who made you. I am the creator, the very source of life. You were made to know me, 
to be in relationship with me, to live life through me, to dwell in my love. Remember, in creation, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit makes us that God might share His fullness of life and love with us. But humanity sinned. We turned from God. We turned to seek life elsewhere. And the rest of the story of the Bible is about the God who is determined to bring redemption to this broken world and to bring people back in to share in His life and love. And so very early in the Old Testament story, God calls Abraham. And through this man, God establishes a family and then a nation, Israel, that through this people, the nations were meant to come to know God. Through Abraham's family, Genesis 12, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And throughout the Old Testament, this image of the vine is a way of speaking about God's people. And so in Psalm 80, as well as in Isaiah 5, speak of the nation of Israel as a vine. So they were brought out of Egypt and they were planted because God wanted his people to be fruitful. Isaiah 5 tells the story that in this way that, that God cared for his vineyard. And so what did God do? He, he went to this place, to the land, and he cleared it of stones and he cultivated it and he gave everything so that his people would be a fruitful people. But they didn't produce good fruit. Instead, their lives gave forth, Isaiah says, bitter, sour fruit. And Jesus is saying, I am Yahweh, come in the flesh. I am true Israel. Everything Israel was meant to be, I am. I am the true human. I am what humanity is meant to be. And it is only through me that you can be connected to the source of life. It is only in connection to me that you can really flourish and be who you're meant to be. Abiding, as we'll see in this text, is an intimate, close, vital relationship where we share and participate in the life and love of God. Jesus says this connection is like a branch to a vine. It's a living, vital connection. Apart from this connection, you die, and you can't bear the fruit that you were meant to bear. You can't have the life that you were meant to live. Verse 4 and following, he says, abide in me. And I in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. This connection is not only one of, of a living connection, but it is one of dwelling in the love of God. Verse 9 of our text, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10, Jesus goes on to say that, that our abiding in Him is to mirror the way in which He abides in the Father. Just as Jesus abides in the Father, that's how we're meant to abide in Him. This is a close, intimate, vital connection. So, story about this, to kind of connect this to life. Uh, my kids really love that first song that we sang this morning, and Abby, sometimes my daughter, will just start blurting out the chorus as she's walking around our house. And so we were in the car a couple weeks ago, and we were listening to the song, listening to the chorus, right? Jesus, oh, lead us with thy power, safe into the promise rest. Hide our souls within thy bosom. Let us slumber on thy breast. And so we were listening to that, and I paused, and I was like, what, 
What, what are you hearing? What, what, what is Jesus saying? Or, or what is the song saying about Jesus? And Abby says, bosom. That's a funny word. And so we started talking about bosom. And, uh, and so I say, well, bosom is like another word for chest. And so then they say, well, why, why not just say chest? Why say bosom? Well, because bosom's a little bit more of an intimate word. And what's intimate? Um, it's, oh, it's, a, it's a close, uh, um, it, a special kind of connection. So I said, I said, think about it like this. Would it be weird if a stranger came up and laid on dad's chest? And Liam was like, oh, that'd be super weird. <laughs> um, and then I said, what about Pastor Jeff? Would it be okay if Pastor Jeff came and laid on daddy's chest? They're like, no, I don't think so. That's, that's, that also seems kind of weird. So then I said, what about you guys? Can, can you guys lay on daddy's chest? They're like, yeah. Well, who else can lay on daddy's chest? Mommy. Right? That's, that's intimate. In the beginning of John's gospel, John chapter 1, John tells us that the Son of God from all eternity past existed in close, intimate connection with the Father. The Son was with God. And in the very last verse of the prologue, John 1.18, John writes that the unique, beloved Son, the one who has made the unseen God known, he uses this phrase about the Son of God where he says, this is the one who is in the bosom of the Father. What does that mean? I'm not sure, but right, the imagery, that he's in the bosom of the Father. That is a close relationship. And this is what we are meant to be brought into and experience through faith in Jesus. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus says that those who believe in him have eternal life. Not just something that like, you're going to experience when you die, but there's a present tasting and experience of what a Christian will know from all eternity in greater levels of, of significance and experience, I can only imagine. But we're meant to have this close, vital relationship with Jesus. Through him, we're meant to share in his life. We're meant to share in the love of God by the power of the Spirit. We're to be connected to Jesus as he is connected to us by faith and the power of the Spirit like a branch to a vine with his life giving us life. We're to be connected to the fountain of life, the source of love, sharing in and enjoying the love between the Father and the Son. We are meant, verse 11, to share in the joy of Jesus, his joy in us. And it's because of the, this revelation of Jesus, verse 15, Jesus making God known to us, us learning from God in the flesh the way of true life and His commands, Jesus says, we're not merely servants, we're His friends. Do you have that? Not merely a connection to an institution, not merely some loose family affiliation or connection to some branch of the Christian religion. Do you have a vital connection, a close connection to the love of God in Jesus, this personal relationship of knowing Him and enjoying Him? This is what can be yours through faith in Christ. And if this is what abiding is, this, this close, vital connection, 
Second, what, what's the point? What's the purpose? If the most repeated idea in this text, which I think it is, is abiding, then I'd say the second most repeated idea in this text is that of bearing fruit. This is the point. This is the reason. This is the purpose of abiding, that like my, my grandpa's aloe plant, that our lives would be so connected to Jesus that we ooze with the life and love of God into this broken world. And I think this is actually really helpful for us to understand something important about God's love and what God's love is seeking to do in our lives. If I was to ask you, how does God love us? Or with what kind of love does God love us? My guess is that a a fairly common answer in the church might be, God loves us unconditionally. And when we use that term, or others use that term, I I think we want to rightly emphasize that God doesn't love us because we deserve it or because we've merited it in some way. But I would say by itself, to speak of God's love as unconditional is insufficient. What is the goal of God's love? What is it seeking to do and accomplish? God's love is better than unconditional. God's love is redemptive. It comes to us as we are. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. God's demonstrated His love for the world, not while we were improving ourselves or seeking Him, but when we couldn't care less about Him. But His love is more than that. It comes to us as we are, but it is not content to leave us where we are. God in His love has an agenda. He has an agenda for your life He means by His love to heal, to transform, to renew, to shape you, to be more like Jesus. And isn't that exactly what we see in this passage? That we are called to abide in Jesus, that our lives would flow with the life and love of God. Verse 7 that as we abide in Jesus and His Word abides in us, that we would be transformed into people who pray and who desire the very things that Jesus wants. Verse 16, that we would ask in Jesus' name and pray in and through Him. And then we would have the joy of experiencing God doing His will in the world. This fruit looks like mission and participation in, in the kingdom of Jesus. Jesus will later say in John 20, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. We are meant to serve others in and through Jesus, to witness to Jesus with our lives, to tell others about the good news of Jesus. This fruit, we could say it also looks like obedience and keeping Jesus' word and command. And one specific that he mentions in this text in verse 12, 13, and 17 is this fruit of deep love for one another. And there's obviously more that we could, we could say about, about all of this, but let me just give an example of how you see this working out in a person's life. One of my favorite little examples of this is in, is in Paul and in his letter to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 8, as he's writing about his love for this church and his prayers for this church, he writes these words to them. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all 
with the affection of Christ Jesus. Literally what he says is, I yearn for you all with the guts of Christ. That, that word, guts, it's used in the Gospels to describe the compassionate longing and deep affection of Jesus toward the hurting, toward the broken, toward the lost. And Paul says his longing for this church and for this group of believers, it's not just like Jesus's, but it is with the very guts of Christ. And he can say this not because he's special or some odd species of a Christian, but because he's a believer who's united to Christ. He is in Christ, and Christ is in him. Jesus abides in him, and he's abiding in Christ. And so quite literally, the love of Jesus is surging through Paul to the churches and to the people that he is ministering to and loving in the name of Jesus. And this is what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to so dwell in his redemptive, renewing love in Jesus that your life is healed and restored and surging with his life and love that you can go out and serve the world and bear fruit. Finally, how do we do this? I want us to consider one very specific thing that this passage directs us to, I believe. Um, if you look at the second half of verse 2 and into verses, verse 3, I think we see the answer. This is where Jesus says, Every branch that does bear fruit, the Father prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. The English translation here uh, struggles a bit to help the reader see what is going on here because there's a similar word in the Greek that's tr translated verse 2, prunes, and verse 3, cleansed, which is important to see, I think, to understand what Jesus is getting at. So one New Testament scholar tries to make it clear by translating it like this. L listen as you look at the second half of verse 2 and into verse 3. Listen to this. Every branch that is bearing fruit, the Father cuts back so that it may bear even more fruit. Already you disciples are a cut back people because of the word I have spoken to you. If we want to abide in Jesus and bear fruit, we must receive Jesus' word, which is a word that cuts and snips and corrects. Jesus' word will cut if we hear him because to receive Jesus' word is to accept a number of hard truths about ourselves that really nobody wants to believe. We have to accept that, no, I am not basically a good person. I am a sinner. I am someone who has turned from God, who doesn't naturally seek life in and through God, but really seeks it almost anywhere else imaginable. I don't live animated by God's love and his life. And left to myself, I would not want to listen to God or follow God or live for God. And in all sorts of different ways, some that we might be able to see and probably just countless others that we can't see, this way of doing life, this way of doing life apart from God and rejecting him has contributed to pain and suffering and evil in this world and I am deserving of judgment. I cannot fix myself and I can't make it right and I need Jesus to die for me and to give his life for me. 
if you've received Jesus' word, that cuts. But this word that cuts into our lives also cleanses us and it gives us life as we turn in faith to embrace Jesus, the one who knew God's love from all eternity and yet experienced the judgment of God against sin in our place, that we might be brought in to that love and life. And everyone who has truly believed in Jesus has gone through that initial experience of being cut by the word, being convicted, being brought to a place by faith. We receive all that Jesus has done for us. But then that same word that initially cut us and brought us cleansing as those who belong to Jesus and are saved through him, God continues to use to cut back, to snip to snip at things in our life, desires, goals, the self-focus, self-centered things in us, and again, because He loves us. How are you receiving Jesus' word? Where is it challenging you? Where is Jesus, through His word, raising questions? Where does his word question priorities about what comes first and the things in our life sometimes that we just consider that is completely immovable and no one in the world is allowed to question that? Are you seeking his word in this way? Are you listening to sermons? Are you reading the Bible? Are you discussing it with others, with friends, with family, with with people in this church? Are you coming to the scriptures welcoming, cleansing, and the cutting back word of Jesus to work in your life? When was the last time you sat with Scripture and perhaps even involved others as you wrestled with what God really wants to do in your life? Just consider the logic of this if you are a believer. If you've come to Jesus to be cleansed by His word, that you, can, that you now have life in Him, Why would you not want to repeatedly go under that knife again and again and again that you might flourish with the life he intends for you? Do you not trust him? Has he not demonstrated his love for you and what he's trying to do in your life? Let me give an analogy to gardening. Those of you who are gardeners, this will probably immediately make sense. Um, We have rose bushes in the uh, back of our house and occasionally... Occasionally, there's like a half-decent bud on them, but most of the time, it looks pretty terrible. And if the reason is, I don't care about the rose bushes. I don't water the rose bushes. I don't snip the rose bushes. I leave the rose bushes to themselves to do whatever they want to do. But those of you that know something about rose bushes know that if you want to see what a rose bush can do, you cut it. You snip because there are growth patterns and there are nutrients that are being wasted, that are not toward the flourishing of this rosebush, that are not going to let this rosebush be its most true self and flourish in the most beautiful way. And if you love the rosebush and you want to see it beautiful, you cut it. This is what God is up to in the lives of everyone who knows him. And he is a far better gardener than I or any of us here. Jesus says in verse 16, I chose you 
He's the one who started this whole thing. He's the one who initiated his work in your life, and he is not content to let us go our own way. But he wants to come into our life, and the Father comes into our life, and he comes close with snippers in hand to begin snipping away at things that our lives would bear fruit. And again, he does this because he loves us. Jesus says, come to me, believe in me, abide in me, receive and abide in my word. There is no joy like my joy. There is no love you could get anywhere else like experiencing the love of God and being connected to me. There is no lasting flourishing anywhere else except by being connected to me. The risen and ascended King who answers our prayers, who gives us life, who enables our lives to flow with the rich love of God that comes through Him, He is the one that calls you this morning to believe, to abide, and to receive the redemptive love at work through the Word in your life. We're going to turn to a time of prayer. Whenever we hear God speak to us through His Word, it is an opportunity for us to turn to God and to be honest with Him about those ways that we have strayed from Him, that we have turned from His loving purposes in our lives. He invites us to come to Him in confession that He might renew us, that He might restore us and assure us of His forgiveness, that He might transform us by His grace and love. So let me uh, invite you to a a few minutes of silent confession, and then I will lead us in prayer in a moment's time.